No shortage of old friends on the San Jose Sharks roster, plus a look back at the trade made between the two teams last season. We take a look at tonight's game between the Wild and the Sharks today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm your host, J.D. Yonkajabit for the Fitness San Jose Hockey. Now, I want to thank you for making Locked On Sharks or Locked On Wild or both. If you're really committed, you're listening to both. Um, joining me today is Seth from Locked On Wild. Thank you guys for, again, listening. Making this your first listen. Today's episode is brought to you guys by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season more props, odds, and lines than before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And Seth, it's been a while. Um, I know the Sharks and Wild, we don't get to play as much as we, as you know, the fun bubble season where it was like, oh, cool, let's play eight times. Um, but the Sharks and Wild kind of, you know, a lot of trade history, a lot of, you know, just kind of intertwining story paths. But um, this season, tale of way different teams. So let's start there with, with Seth. Um, what's been the story for the Wild so far this, this season? Uh, well, I think it has been figuring out how to do it this year as opposed to last year. Obviously, a ton of goals last year. You had Kevin Fiala, you had Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, Jewel Eriksson-Eck, Marcus Foligno, Ryan Hartman, all kind of leading the charge in the goals department last year. And it's all well and good if you have a team that can score like four goals a game. Because even if your goaltending is not all that good, your special teams are not all that good, and your defense has a lot of good players on it, but is really kind of doing a lot of the heavy lifting for the goaltending, mm-hmm. you can just kind of sweep all that under the rug. Because hey, we score four goals a game, so we can just score your problem. Yeah, right? we can exactly. And so they came into the season this year operating under that same sort of, we're just going to do this again. And the first three games of the year, it did not work out. (laughs) And I think the team collectively kind of said, okay, we're going to have to go about this a different way. And since then, we've seen the goaltending has been shored up. The defense has really done a great job since those first three games of the season. But the Wild have committed to being better on the penalty kill, better on the power play. And so... They're not scoring as many goals five on five as they did last year, obviously. But they have committed to those other areas. And so I've been saying all season pretty much is that it might not be a wild team this year that does as well record-wise as last year's team did. But I think it's a team this year that is better suited to win in the postseason because if you have a good offense but nothing else, you're going to get picked apart in a postseason series. Whereas now... Games get a little tighter. The Wilds have shown that they have a nice, shiny, aggressive penalty kill that can get the job done. They've got two goalies that have been getting the job done for the most part so far this year, and the power play has been lethal and is you know one of the big driving forces of scoring for this team so far this year. So all those secondary areas that they needed to be better in, they have been, and that is the reason 
that this team is uh, starting to rattle off some nice wins. They have been great in December. Now, as we'll talk about in a little bit, I'm sure, the opponents have <laughs> been sprinkled in as the games that you look on your schedule and you're like, this is one we absolutely have to win. So there has been some of that, but at the same time, we have seen in the games that the Wilds, um, they they just don't necessarily have that put-away gear this year that they did last year where they're winning games five or six to one. And so even against those opponents that you should just beat, I mean, Friday night against Chicago, I thought Chicago did some pretty good things, but you look up at the scoreboard and it's not even close. It's just they, hmm. they don't have that like put-away gear offensively that they did last year, which means you got to dial in for more of the game. And um, we've seen some teams make it close down the stretch, and the Wild just have have found ways to get it done, even in those circumstances. Yeah, and you know, when I was kind of doing my research, just you talk about how this team turned into a defensive team, right? And beginning the kind of the first month of the season, it you saw like they struggled to like, and especially in the goals allowed per game, um, and then basically since November first. Um, the Wild are, are they're giving up a 2.45 goals per game, which is fourth best in the, the NHL. Um, they just have turned into a defensive monster. And again, when you still have guys like Kaprizov and, and, and Matt Zuccarella, if you need to score, they can go score. But it, it, this team is becoming much more kind of balanced, I would say, is probably the best term. A balanced team where if they need to go play, if you need to go to a track meet, you feel like you can get into a track meet with this team. If you need to play a 2-1 uh, type of game, it, it feels like the, the Wild can kind of get into that type of situation. The Sharks, though, buddy, if you <laughs> like goals, this is your place. Um, the Sharks have actually been a decent offensive team, especially, again, kind of since the, the calendar turned into November. And, you know, new coaching staff, a lot of new players. First month, especially starting in Europe, took a little bit for this team to gel. But the offense for the team has been much improved. Um, they were ninth best in the NHL in the month of November when it came to goals per game, um, which was kind of surprising, right? You, especially for how bad this team is, they like to they can score goals with the best of them. The problem is um, they are really bad on the back end and the especially in the goaltending department. We'll get to our good friend Capo Kakinen here in a minute, but you know, and, and that's that's really started to carry over here in November. Um, the Sharks right now, uh, since December first, um, have given up four point three eight goals per game, which is the worst in the NHL. So, um, yeah, if you if your team is struggling to score, the Sharks will definitely kind of uh, fix what ails you here. So, yeah, um, I expect the Wild, we'll get into the preview later, but I just expect the Wild to, to come in and put on a show tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's it has been, it, it's interesting too because you have the uh, this back-to-back and the last time the Wild played Anaheim on the front end of a back-to-back, they had Dallas the next night and that ended up being a shootout. And so you're like, Okay, you can kind of you can kind of see some of that. Like we're 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 focused more on Dallas than we are on the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. But I I told my my listeners I was like, you've got Anaheim in the front end, you've got San Jose on the back end. There's there's no like there's no Goliath out here that you're having to try to contend with. And interesting nugget, the Wild are undefeated on both on both sides of the coin. 
They are undefeated in playing teams on the second night of a back-to-back. It feels like they've played like 30 of them this year so far. <laughs> they are also undefeated when playing themselves on the second night of a back-to-back. Mm. And so they're beating up on tired teams, and they are just finding a way to get it done when they themselves are the tired team. Like much of the rest of us, you're just tired all the time. Yes, especially this time. And, you know, this is the last game for the Sharks before their winter break. I assume it's probably the last game for the, the Wild before they're going to be getting a head home here soon. So you wonder how kind of if a team is able to kind of jump out and just put the kibosh down and then both teams are like, let's just get this done with and get head home for Christmas. So, uh, yeah, we'll get like I said, we'll, we'll kind of look at the how this these teams match up. But before and the big thing, too, is revisiting the Jacob Middleton Capo Kakinen trade. Um before we do that, though, we do want to tell you guys about, again, a good friend of ours, Bet Online. Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. You've got pro football, college bowl season. This, this week here, you come home from work and there's just a random football game on. It is the best. Of course, you got the big bowl games coming up on, on the first. So they've got you covered for that. You have NBA, you have college basketball, um, you have World Juniors, which starts on the 26th. So they've got you covered for everything you need at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info in. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so we are back to talk. Uh, of course, I think we have to talk about Middleton, Kapokakinen. Last year at the trade deadline, uh, the Wild acquired uh, Jake Middleton and his glorious, glorious mustache. I see, Seth, your your mustache is getting, your beard is is very, very nice, buddy. You've really been working on it. Thank you. Um, it's um, It's starting to curl, too. The mustache is starting to get to the point where it's curling, and I'm like, okay, do I run with that? Or I don't want to look like an oil baron. Yeah, that's that's a that type of hair product. That, that is a very expensive hair uh, do there. But um, I'm more of the like kind of keep it a little bit shorn. Um, I just it's too itchy. But I mean, my yeah, yours though very glorious, especially this time of year for you guys with the uh, the snow and the cold and stuff. You need that that chin warmer there. But Jake Middleton and his glorious uh, mustache, and then the Sharks got a fifth round pick, uh, which they used to pick Jake Furlong, and then of course goalie Capo Kakinen. So rewinding to when the trade happened, what was your initial thoughts on the trade? And then now kind of looking, you know, we're, we're a good chunk into the season. How do you feel about it now? You know, it was, it was a weird trade at the time because my initial reaction was it feels kind of weird to give up on a young goalie considering you have Cam Talbot uh, in the mix, but the reality of the situation was at the trade deadline last year, the Wild were not super thrilled with what they were getting from the goalie position. They were winning a ton of games, but you're winning games like 6-4, 6-5, 5-3, 5-4, and they wanted to get something a little more reliable um, in that, and so obviously they go get Marc-Andre Fleury, but not only did they decide that they didn't want Capo Kakinen to be part of the mix last year, you're also deciding you don't really think that he's a franchise guy. And so the Wilds were like, eh, we don't, we, we've seen kind of the whole of the Capo Kakinen experience 
And so they decided that it was it was time to to cut bait, and they used him as a way to uh, to bring in a really intriguing defenseman in Jacob Middleton, who you, you look at it, him and Jared Spurgeon have combined to form one of the better defensive lines in the entirety of the NHL. They're, I believe they're 10th in the NHL uh, amongst pairings that qualify in terms of expected goals against when they're out on the ice. So they're getting it done. He provides a lot of physicality, which is something that the Wild didn't have a ton of before the trade deadline last year and now getting Ryan Reeves and adding him to the mix this year. It's a team that has been more undersized on defense uh, over the last few years. Spurgeon, uh, Brodeen, Dumba, up and down the list, those guys are all relatively the same size. And so you get Middleton who can uh, can hit, he can pack a wallop, Yep. And it just it has worked out really well for this team, and it allows you to not have to pair up Brodine and Spurgeon. You can spread your defense out a little bit more than they were previously. And so this is a trade that I think the Wild look at as a win because Middleton now is signed through the worst of these uh, these buyouts, and he's providing good minutes when he's out there to where you would probably look to have him as kind of one of those complementary defensemen for that next core so that he can be somebody that helps mentor some of those younger guys that are coming up through the system that'll be uh, filling those back-end roles. And so from the wild end of it, it looks like a trade that uh, that Bill Guerin definitely won. But I myself wonder if Kakinen is kind of a victim of the circumstances going on around him with the team that he's on or if he's not necessarily helping the the situation himself yeah um it's kind of a little bit of a chicken and egg thing too and going back to like the the kind of the reasoning behind with the wild right is i think they looked at themselves and they realized okay capo kakin is not helping us win a stanley cup this year and they were kind of a dark horse team i know they lost in the first round because uh they just can't get out the first round um but you I, you know you probably look at capo kakin like i don't think he can win us uh a stanley cup this year we got to make a move and then you have just for Wallstead, who's a potential franchise goalie kind of coming up the pipeline. And you're like, well, at some point, you know, the, I guess the hope is Marc-Andre Fleury, you hold it down for a little bit, a little bit longer. And then Wallstead can come in. There's your goalie for the next 10 plus years. Right. And Capocacan just didn't fit into the plan, but you know, back to him, it's, it's a little bit, I think chicken and egg of, I don't, the Sharks defense is not very good. And like you said last year with the wild, where we're just going to outscore our problems. And the Sharks have kind of been in the same situation, except for, um, you know, they, they've, they're actually the perfect tank team where it's like, Hey, we're going to score a bunch of goals, <laughs> but we're going to give up a bunch more too. So at least the games are entertaining. It's not like you're just watching your team get blown out four to one every night. So, um, but with Capo Kakinen, it's sometimes the defense lets them down. And then his high danger save percentage was it's slowly getting a little bit better, but it's just, you know, he, he, he has a, doesn't have that. Like I got to make a big save in a big moment, almost that like clutch factor. Right. Yeah. For James Reimer, you know, veteran been around the league, played on a bunch of different teams. He can be the guy who kind of like stops the bleeding when things are going badly and kind of keep you into a game and, you know, drag your team to a point at least type of situation. Like Capo Kakinen, it's it feels like when this things start to snowball, he's not there to kind of stop the snowball and it just kind of continues to go. And we saw that 
against the Flames on Sunday night, right? Tight, close game. First 30 or first 30, yeah, 30 seconds of the third period, they give up two goals to Elias Lindblom, and then they gave up a third goal within the first two minutes. And that was that was the game. And you know, that just happens constantly with the Sharks. This team is just not talented enough to kind of overcome that. And they have very good players, you know, and Tomas Hurdle and Eric Carlson's having a renaissance season, and Timo Myers have been an absolute monster this year. But then after those guys, it just falls off a cliff and Capo Kakinen, you you kind of feel for him where it's like you wonder if there was a better defensive structure team in front of him if you could be a better player. And he looked really, really good with the Sharks last year when they after they acquired him in the trade deadline. And I was excited for what his potential has been. But uh James Reimer claims another young goaltender as uh he, you know, just I I think he kind of utilizes the energy of these young goaltenders and just <laughs> eats it and then that's, he's gonna be just immortal and just james Ryan's gonna be like 55 and still just being you know playing 40 games a year so, he he but. drains their life force to keep himself much like paul rudd does to survive he drains their life force <laughs> to keep himself young enough to still be a starting goalie in the nhl yeah so we'll see because james reimer is 100 percent being traded at the trade deadline um, just because look at the teams out there who could use a goal, like the Kings, right? The Kings could use a, a goalie 100%. <laughs> um, James Arms is going to be traded. So Capricacan is going to get his shine at the end of the season. And we'll see what he's able to do with it. But, you know, at the time I was excited because it's one of those things where it's kind of like a quarterback, right? You got to just keep taking swings until you yep. find a goalie. And Jake Middleton, Great for the Sharks, but like again, he didn't really kind of fit their timeline of who you know. Jacob Middleton's kind of sneaky old, right? He's close to thirty at this point. Um, kind of doesn't fit the timeline of what the Sharks are going to be here in the next couple of years. So again, I like the move at the time, but it looks like the Wild uh, easily won this trade right now. So, but we'll see with Jake Furlong. So <laughs> yeah, and it's it's funny too because I think the trade is even more validated now with what the Wild have gotten from Philip Gustafson so far. And you talk about defensive structure. That's another thing that the Wild have done really well this year is they're preventing shots from getting through to their goalies, so that in those instances where you kind of get stuck on your end of the ice. You're not having to bail them out in that point and then also throughout the game as well. There are large stretches where you're just kind of you're just kind of enjoying the ride. And so then you're <laughs> ready once you have to face that that bevy of shots and uh that that I think has been one of the huge reasons, but Gustafson has also been very good himself. So it it's one of those trades that I think in the wild perspective they make 10 times out of 10. And it just it felt like it was the perfect opportunity for Bill Guerin to get out a year before you can't. That kind of that kind of mentality is you you maybe cut bait on somebody a, a little early, but if you wait, and the Wild are kind of seeing this with Matt Dumba, is if you wait too long, then there just is nowhere that you can send them. Yeah, I mean, and the Sharks Sharks fans know all about a bunch of guys on the roster that you cannot trade because they have just fallen off a cliff or bad contracts and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, oh, God. Um, <laughs> before uh, we get into this game, kind of talk about what we think is the big factors for this game and kind of the matchups and stuff that we're looking forward 
too. Um, do want to take a quick break, uh, talk to you guys about a very important message um, from the National Highway uh, Traffic's um, Safety Administration. You know, this time of year, you know, going out to parties, getting having fun, all that fun stuff. Um, it's important though to just kind of keep in mind of what you're doing and making sure you're making right uh, choices, right? You know, so driving under the influence, marijuana, drinking, whatever you're doing like that, that's right, driving high could get you a DUI. If you're wondering if law enforcement can tell if you're driving high, well, everyone in your life can. So your friends can, your coworkers can, your parents, everybody can kind of tell. You you try to hide it, but you, it's not possible to hide. So if you're doing drinking, if you're enjoying activities, make sure you kind of cover, get a ride, call a friend. Just you don't want to make a, a terrible choice. So drive high, get a DUI paid for by the NHTSA. All right. Um, sharks. Wild. Uh, sharks. Actually, both teams relatively healthy, right? Uh, going into this, I know uh, Luke Cunningham put on IR, done for the season with a uh, torn ACL. Tomas Hurdle serving the second game of his suspension. Um, James Reimer, potentially not available. We'll see. Uh, he wasn't at practice on Wednesday. He, he blocked a shot with his knee. He stayed in the game, but you know, you wonder if he got maybe a little swelling when he woke up today, especially old man like James Reimer. Um, so we'll start with this. What is kind of or the, the path to the wild victory? What is kind of the way they win tonight, I guess. Well, I, I think it boils just, down to show up. <laughs> yeah, it boils down to not falling into the trap. There, there are a few ways that you can keep a team that is not playing well in the game. Mm -hmm. Dumb penalties, just just continuing to feed them opportunities on the power play, um, and you know, just kind of trying to sleepwalk through a game. The Wild have been susceptible to that at times. And so it's a situation of show up and play your game. Don't try to don't try to play this one in half gear. If you if you just try to kind of skate through it, bad things happen. And so this wild team with how Kirill Kaprizov's been playing on that top line, him and Matt Zuccarello have been just terrorizing people. They had uh, the top line had nine points against Chicago. They had six points against the uh, the Senators, and so they just they just have been on an absolute. I, I don't know if it's any leader, as I like to say, but it is definitely a heater. And so this is a team much like Chicago, where you can kind of ride your top line. And with the fact that the Christmas break is coming up after this, I wouldn't be surprised if they get a fair share of minutes in this one to uh, to just kind of do their thing. You, you don't have to worry about uh, any games for five days or so. Um, so wouldn't be surprised if we see that. But also, you know, the thing that I think has helped this team is that they're just, they're having a lot of fun right now. They are just, they're doing their thing. They're winning. They're enjoying being out on the ice. And they've got some good line chemistry that has been, uh, been developed with uh, all those different combos. So just roll, roll four, as uh, as Dean Evison likes to say, roll four lines, and um, yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting too because with Mark Andre Fleury starting against Anaheim, 
it'll be Philip Gustafson in net. So it's very much old girlfriend, new girlfriend <laughs> in Philip Gustafson against probably Capo Kakinen. And so then it's an opportunity, not that Gustafson needs any more motivation, but it's like, hey, you were kind of considered to be the guy at one point, and now I'm kind of showing that I've I've got some skill in the net too. So that's that's a fun little, at least in my head, a fun little goalie matchup if that's what we get. Um, but we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. Yeah, and you know, going back to the kind of that that line, you know, the Kaprizov Steel Zagrell line, they're tenth in the NHL in Corsi. So that shot attempts four. They they dominate kind of the pace of play and control. And the cobbled together uh top line of Timo Meyer, who's very good at hockey. Lungator and Barabanov are kind of more middle six guys, you know, that that they've played really well together, but um I just I I don't see a way that these guys kind of slow down this top line or even kind of yeah, just slow down this top line of the wild. As you said, with the wild where they can kind of roll those four and we're gonna see the depth too, especially with the Matt Nieto, Nick Benino uh second line that the sharks are gonna be rolling out in this game just yeah. Well, so. <laughs> the interesting thing too is that you nearly had the potential for three former Wild players to be facing the Minnesota Wild, and if there is one tried and true curse that we know exists in the world, it is former Minnesota Wild players scoring against the Minnesota Wild. Mm. You still got Nick two Benio. in the lineup, and Nico Sturm as well. Yeah. So, still have two that could Nico, maybe Nico Sturm been. Pretty good signing for the Sharks this year. He's got uh he's about ready to match his career high in goals in a season already. Uh, I think he's two away from matching his career high in goals. Um, scored last game. Yeah, Nico Ayo the Sturm has has been a great signing for these Sharks there. But uh Nick Benito, so so we can just Nick Benito scoring, Nico Sturm scoring, and then we're getting the uh you know, the Capo Kakin and Gully goal just to really put the icing <laughs> on the cake. <laughs> oh, God. But, I mean, you, I think for the Sharks, like you kind of mentioned it, right, where feeding the opportunities. And the Sharks' special teams are actually pretty solid. Their penalty kill is amazing. They're going to have a huge test, though, against this wild power play. You know, the, the Sharks, I think they're, they're second in the – they're the first and second. They keep bouncing back and forth in the as the top penalty kill unit in the league. They do tend to do a little bit better with James Reimer than Capo Kakin, because uh, I think James Reimer can kind of correct the little mistakes there. But, you know, there are penalty kills with Nick Benino and Lone Couture and Matt Nieto. All those guys are, are kind of there. I know they would normally have uh, Tomas Hurdle in the penalty kill as well, but I think they can kind of cover that as well. But for sure. now, at least one more game. Um, but the power play has been kind of not too bad. or It's been pretty good for the Sharks. Um especially with Eric Carlson and his renaissance year. He leads all defensemen, of course, in the NHL with 41 uh, points right now. Him and Timo Meyer on the power play, it is – those guys work really, really well together, and they can score super quick. I mean, you we saw um, against the Flames on Sunday night, takes them five seconds. They win the draw. Cap, uh, Eric Carlson gets another point, and then Timo Meyer is just sitting there waiting to, to pop it in and – that that's going to be the way for the Sharks to win this game is they have to win the special teams battle and has to be a clear special teams battle like win. Um, Cause I, I assume the five on five is going to be the wild kind of parking in the shark zone for most of the night, especially that top line of with Kaprizov and 
I, I don't see much of a matchup for Couture getting, you know, unless Timo Meyer can, can kind of go super scion, but I just, this feels like a pretty, uh, pretty easy road for the wild, even though they're second half of back to back. I just think they are a much superior team, much more balanced team, much deeper team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the interesting thing too, on the penalty kill for the wild is that they, it seems like have one or two shorthanded opportunities a game. They have turned last year was empty net magic. It was, we're going to score just a ton of empty net goals and, and win games that we should just absolutely have no business winning this year. It's like, we're going to try to score a shorthanded goal every game. And Connor Dewar, Keep it, Sharks fans, keep an eye out for Connor Dewar, who is up near the top of the list, if not the top in the NHL in shorthanded points this year. Um, he just loves to lurk at the top of the zone on the penalty kill and steal passes and just send it back down the other way. So we'll see if that ends up being a factor. But yeah, it's, it is definitely going to come down to the special teams. Wild will need to be on their game in that area or... We're going to get one of those that I like to call the closer than it should have been. <laughs> I could I could see that maybe. I just like I said, I think this Sharks team, especially without Hurdle, they just guys are kind of pushed up into places that you know, uh, kind of pushed out of place right now. Yeah. Um, Eric Carlson had a terrible game on uh, Tuesday against the Flames, so. I expect a big bounce back game from Carlson. I just don't see him having two bad games in a row. Um, but yeah, I, just, I think it's just too much to overcome. The Wild are too talented. And I think, um, especially with the Wild, their defense, they, they, the Sharks, they're good at generating high danger chances. Um, they're one of the best in the league there. But the Wild are one of the best in the league at limiting those high danger chances. And even when the Sharks do, they, they generate all high danger chances, but they just don't score a lot. They're like 14%, which is like 28th in the league compared to, you know, it's weird. So they generate a bunch, but they just don't score. They can't finish. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to get all those high danger chances against this very, very structured wild team. So I got the wild winning this one comfortably four to one. Um, I think the, I think uh, Kirill Kaprizov really puts on a show. He's got a three point night, Um, but I do think Jonah Gadovich and Ryan Reeves mix it up. And I think uh, in the second period, and I would be very interested to watch that one. So <laughs> put me down for five, but I think the wild do end up getting the win. I'll say five to one. Kirill, you hit it right on the head. He just is, he's in that orbiting the earth level play that we see from him from time to time. And, um, I, I think that's going to continue because as I alluded to, there is no game after this until the 27th. So you can, you can let him go a little longer than you typically would because he's got some time to rest on the, uh, on the back end of it. So don't be surprised if it's, uh, it's top line triumph for the wild here in this one. And we'll, uh, we'll see how it plays out. All right, Seth, where can the people find you? Just go to Lockdown Wilds on social media. That's that's the nice thing about it is we got Lockdown Wild for all of them. So you just search. You'll find it, all the podcasts. You'll find YouTube. You'll find all the social media accounts. You'll find TikTok as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, make sure to check all of that out. We've got pregame episodes, pregame previews, postcasts. We've got uh, the morning skates 
every morning just with little nuggets for uh, for listeners uh, throughout the day. So uh, make sure to find all of that at Lockdown Wilds, wherever you listen. We're everywhere. I can't wait to watch the uh, Lockdown Wild uh, TikToks where I assume you're dancing as you're giving out little nuggets. So, you know, you got to get those views up, right? <laughs> got to do what we got to do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You do the little like one frame like where you're like, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Lockdown Sharks, of course, you can find wherever you get podcasts, of course, uh, and then on YouTube as well. You can follow me on Twitter at my fryhole. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Lockdown Sharks. Make sure you guys give uh, Seth a follow, um, especially for whatever a Vikings game on, because it is, it is, yes, pure magical when Seth is on the bird while the Vikings are playing because he gets his hopes up. But he knows at the same time he's probably going to get kicked at some point. But this year the the Vikings have been yes. This um, year that's been happening every game because yeah. they're usually behind at some point. But then they complete the comeback, and so you're like, well, it looked dicey, but now it's not. Yeah, if Tua plays, the Dolphins beat the Vikings back. In the, yeah. I can't dispute that. <laughs> All right, until tomorrow. Bye, friends. <laughs>